Simon Stonecoat mystery. A man bumps harshly into Shepard, leaning onto Shepard's back. Okay, pal, you don't have to be rude. Look! They both look and he is foaming at the mouth, dead. Oh, it's most. Aren't you the family in Wales that owns a large shipping company? So far, we know that the killer used a blowgun with a dart coated in arsenic. The blowgun can be dissembled. Someone is missing or placed a cufflink. Someone moved the chair to sit in, and a person about five foot four through five foot six, and they bought something from Birmingham today. Wait, arsenic poisoning? It's a poison that can kill instantaneously, that most everyone knows of. Arsenic is pretty easy to find, and you can buy it in almost any pharmacy. We would like to know your names and ask some questions. I'm Roy Baldwin. We are in the food business. I'm Stan Liebeck. I own a shipping and traveling company that mostly does business within the United Kingdom, in Spanish-speaking countries, and in Africa. Where do you fall live? I live in Dublin, Ireland. I live in Birmingham, England. Smalls is a good friend. I live in Glasgow, Scotland. I live in Bangor, Wales. I didn't know Smalls at all. Even when you were both in the same business of shipping and travel? We traveled and shipped to other places than mine. Tell us all why you went into the balcony. I went up to the balcony to take a breather. I also went to the balcony for a breather. We would now like to know how tall you are. And if you all made any recent trips out of the country. I'm six foot two and I made a recent trip to South America. I'm five foot six and also made a trip to South America to ship some items and bring some items back. Those items were? Homemade goods from the natives. Have any of you made any purchases in Birmingham today? I have. I bought a new tie this morning. I didn't buy anything from Birmingham today. Neither of you are wearing cufflinks. But I never wear cufflinks. I just don't like how they sit on my wrists. I don't wear cufflinks with this suit. That's a Lie. I can see indentations on his shirt wrists. Where cufflinks have used a pin and go. The mark is fresh. The fabric hasn't had time to bounce back into place. I wore cufflinks with the shirt this afternoon when I was trying on different cufflinks. All the cufflinks I wore didn't match my suit. I just decided not to wear them. When did Roy Baldwin and Stanley Beck come up to the balcony? Mr. Baldwin came up first. He seemed a little tired and kind of hobbled up the stairs like his feet hurt. I didn't hear much from him. A few minutes later, Mr. Beck went upstairs. About 10 to 15 minutes later, Beck came down with an empty wine glass. About ten minutes after that, I hear screamed. So, Roy Baldwin never came back downstairs? No. When I went upstairs to take a breather, I fell asleep. But the next thing I know is I'm being jostled awake by screaming. It doesn't make any sense that Beck wouldn't know Smalls, seeing as they're both in the same line of business. What do you want? We just want to know if you knew Stanley Beck. Yes, I do. He was rivals with my dear Richard. Naturally, our businesses would bump heads. We would always clash together. Mr. Beck always seemed to get the most angry, saying that we stole customers and stuff. And then that terrible fire happened. This was a couple weeks before the Christmas ball. I just remembered something about the two men who went up to the balcony and when they came back down from the balcony. Does this snippet of information have anything to do with cufflinks? Yes, at least the wrists of their shirts. Then I just solved the case. Come on, then. Let's go nab the killer. Now return to Samantha Stone exclaiming that she has found the murderer, which I do hope she has. Okay, wait, Stone. Humor me for a second. What exactly is on their wrists, and how do you know that means they are the killer? I guess I did get a little ahead of myself. Why don't you tell him who had the cufflinks, hmm? Ah, yes. I remember Mr. Stanley Beck having a cufflink when he came back down from the balcony, but only one. Only one? Wait. That means the cufflink we found upstairs belonged to him. That's right. (laughs) He lied to us! He said he wasn't wearing cufflinks. And I'm guessing he lied about a lot more than that. I think we should go back and talk to Mr. Beck. It's about time he paid the piper for his crimes. Agreed. Stone and Shepard go back to Beck and Baldwin, who are still waiting with the royal guard. Oh, Miss Stone, 
Chief Shepard, you're back. Did you finally figure out it was this man who killed Richard Smalls? What? No, I didn't do it. Oh, we are back all right, but not for the pleasures of arresting Baldwin. That's right. We are here to arrest you. What? You've got to be joking. Look at the mountain of evidence stacked up against him. What about the evidence against you? Here's what happened. After I spoke to Miss Smalls, who said you didn't know at all, she claimed you did know them and were very upset about a recent fire that destroyed a lot of your ships. I believe that was your motive. You hated the Smalls for being better in the business than you, and when you finally pulled ahead, you thought it was over. But then the fire happened. The fire that destroyed your ships and could consequently have destroyed your career. And since you had stolen the VIP position from Smalls, he was the only logical choice. He had destroyed your ships. I knew it. I knew that lying idiot did it. He kept on saying he didn't, but he did. I knew it. That jerk. What? An accident wasn't an option? A random fire? No. You jumped to conclusions and killed the man. You came here tonight with a blowgun and a dart strapped to your leg. You knew that the guards didn't pat down the VIP any farther than the torso, so you could get through the guards without alerting them of your weapon. Then, once everyone went to the floor to dance, you went upstairs to the balcony to kill him from above. The dart was coated with arsenic, so it would kill him quickly. You noticed Baldwin was upstairs asleep on the chair, so you thought if anything went south, the blame could be placed on him. You set up the blowgun quietly, shot Smalls, put the gun behind a curtain, and quickly headed back downstairs, before the alarm was sounded that there had been a murder. Oh, can you prove it? <laughs> Slow down a minute. I'll get to that. You made three errors. One, you decided to use a unique weapon from a different country, South America. Two, you bought arsenic from Birmingham. I could probably go down there with you and the owner would ID you. And lastly, you decided to lie about your cufflinks. The cufflinks? Seriously? This again? You didn't realize in your haste to run downstairs that one of your cufflinks had popped off upstairs. Right, Sloane? Right. A cufflink with a B on it. Synonymous with your last name. It could have been Baldwin's. Check his pockets. What? One of the guards. Check his pockets. He couldn't have thrown away the cufflink. The alarm was raised too quickly. You really don't have to do this. Oh, but we do. A royal guard searches through his pockets and brings out a cufflink that matches the one they found upstairs. Stone smirks. Miss Smalls walks over to the group, hearing that Miss Stone had figured out the case. Well, looky here. Oh, I, I can explain. I think this explains everything. That devil destroyed my ships just to get back on the VIP. He deserved to die. He committed arson. Miss Smalls grabs his arm. Don't! Don't say that about my poor Richard. Why shouldn't I, woman? Because you got it all wrong. When the fire started, we were on vacation. Our son covered up appearances, saying we were working so we wouldn't lose any more customers than we already had. We couldn't have destroyed your ships. Beck looked at her and then slowly realized what he had done. He didn't say anything else. All it was was an accident, but this... This was murder. The royal guards took Beck away to the dungeon, leaving the guests to leave upset. Everyone shuffled out of the building, leaving Stone, Shepard, and the musicians in the building. Sort of ruined the party, didn't it? A murder can do that. Sorry. We didn't really get to enjoy it. Well, the band hasn't left yet. I bet we could get them to play us one more song, if I could have this dance. Stone smiled and grabbed his hand. Of course you can. It's Christmas, after all. 
Merry Christmas, Stone. Yes. Merry Christmas, Shepard. The two walk off to get the band playing and to start their dance. Well, that was quite the shindig, don't you think? Mmm, I enjoyed the performance. It was killer. Hurry and get our ship owner into the business. We need control of shipping. It'll be easy. Smalls is weak. She's in mourning, and with Beck out of the way, we can take over the shipping business. The best part is, we killed two birds with (laughs) one stone. All it took was a little fire. And since the ship sunk, all the evidence is gone. Jack, you're a genius. Oh, my dear Victoria, I know. The little detective actually helped us this time. As long as you know the pieces, the game is easy. (laughs) (laughs) I've posed for pictures with ivory soap. I've petted stray dogs. My smile is brilliant. My glance is tender. But I'm noted most for my unspoiled agenda. I've been made Miss Rheingold, though I never touch beer. And I'm the person to whom they say, you're sweet, my dear. The only etchings I've seen have been behind glass. And the closest I've been to a bar was at ballet class. Prim and proper, the girl who's never been kissed. But I'm tired of being pure and a nut chase. Like something that seeks its level. I wanna go to the devil, I wanna be evil. I wanna spit tax, I wanna be evil. And cheat at jacks, I wanna be wicked. I wanna tell lies, I wanna be mean and throw my pies. I want to wake up in the morning with that dark brown taste. I wanna see some dissipation in my face. I wanna be evil, I wanna be mad. But more than that, I wanna be bad. I wanna be evil and trump an ace just to see my partner's face. I wanna be nasty, I wanna be cruel, I wanna be daring. I want to shoot pool And in the theater I want to change my seat Just so I can step on everybody's feet I want to be evil I want to hurt flies I want to sing songs Like the guy who cries I want to be hard I want to drink booze And whatever I've got I am eager to lose When 
going on camping trips and sleeping on the dirt isn't cutting anymore, come down to your local store and buy sleeping sacks by Bedbugs. What makes this sleeping bag different from others? Well, ours comes with a cooler pocket installed in the lining of the sack. You can store your snacks right in bed with you and keep it fresh. Oh, and don't worry, we won't tell anyone about your midnight snacking habit. So hop in your automobile and go buy yourself a sleeping sack by Bedbugs. A man is being strapped to an agitated horse, tied up to it completely, but sitting up like he's going to ride it. The victim starts to wake up from his unconscious state. What? What's going on? He looks over and sees a masked man. Who are you? What's going on? Why aren't you talking to me? The masked man ignores him and keeps working. Why am I being tied up to a horse? Why am I even here? Shut up. This will all be over quickly. Huh? The masked man puts something around the neck of the man on the horse. This is cold. What is this? I demand an explanation. The masked man puts a small knife up to the man's neck, creating a small line of blood. The victim whimpers in pain. Shut up before I make this more painful than it has to be. You're going to hurt me. Kill you is more like it. What? Why? You know what you did. Now be silent. I wouldn't want you to... <laughs> lose your head. <laughs> Get me off of this! Someone save me! Heavens, please! The masked man quickly puts a handkerchief in the man's mouth and ties it. To quiet him. I didn't think I would have to resort to this. He goes to the wall and ties something to the hook that's there. What are you going to do with me? I'm not going to do a thing. This old horse is. I just hope that you can feel your neck being sliced open before you bite the bullet. Face judgment, Griggs. Like a man. No, please. No. You don't have to do this. I do. The masked man slaps the horse's rear quite hard while yanking the victim's gag off. Yeah. The horse startled takes off at full speed. <laughs> the horse runs rampant through the street neighing. A couple walking stops under a street lamp when they hear the ruckus. Honey, do you hear that? It sounds like a horse is coming this way. I hear it too. Sounds pretty startled. Oh look, there it is. It's okay. Someone is riding it. He looks rather odd, don't you think? As the horse gets closer to the couple, they squint to see the horse rider, who is masked pretty well by the dark of the night. All of a sudden, the woman feels a droplet splash onto her face. Ah, what's on my face? Lyle? It, it's warm, and it's wet! And it's red. It looks like... like blood! Other spectators come into the street, hearing the ruckus. That's when the horse steps through the light of the street lamps. A headless man is being jostled by the freaking out horse and spraying blood. A gruesome sight to see. WCUG Cougar Radio presents the ninth episode of the new radio drama, Stone Cold Mysteries. Please pay attention for the show is interactive. Also, we listen to Stone Cold Stories on SoundCloud because those events transpire before this one and play a role in this episode. It is December 30th, 1890, in the cold city of London. The bloody midnight air is filled with anxiety and anticipation as the unlucky onlookers of a headless attraction is traumatized by this barbaric spectacle. As the horse finally calms down, the headless victim slumps over, draining more blood from the open wound as the officers rush to the scene. Soon, the groggy chief of police, Carter Shepard, is phoning the currently brooding private investigator, Samantha Stone. 
She quickly comes to the scene to have a look at the fiendish atrocity. Will Stone and Shepard manage to find the beastly mind that thought of this crime? Or will they both lose their heads? Well, let's tune in and find out. Stone arrives to the crime scene and walks up to Shepard. Shepard yawns. Hello, Shepard. Why have you called me over here at this ungodly hour? Oh, well, this headless man parading around on a horse in the middle of the night is a big reason. Actually, the only reason. Ha, ha, ha. By the way, here's your bloody hat. <laughs> you can't very well do your job without it, now can you? Uh, um, that's right. I did leave it with you. Well, I didn't need it today, since it's Saturday. I was just going to come back and pick it up. Well, you look even more tired than me. Did you sleep at all? Excuse me, Miss Policewoman. Can you tell me what happened? Oh, what, what, me? Yes, you. I thought that was relatively clear. Stone? Well, um, (laughs) isn't that, well, doesn't the chief do that? (laughs) Not today. If he can't talk to me like a normal human being without leaving his badge at my apartment, then I'll talk to you. He left his badge at your apartment? But if that were the case, wouldn't you two have arrived here at the same time? Bloody, it's not what you think. Just tell me what happened. Stone! What gives? Now. Yes, ma'am. At midnight tonight, a couple reported a dead body that was strapped to a horse who was running through the streets, spraying blood everywhere. The body in question is headless, but according to a witness, this, a man named Bruce Griggs, he was strapped down to the horse with his rope, like he was meant to be paraded around on the poor animal like a circus attraction. (laughs) That's all we gathered before you two arrived. I could have told you that, Stone. I'm going to take a look at the body. Why don't you talk to the witnesses, Shepard, if you can do so without sending mixed messages? Miss Policewoman, you stay with me. Um, my work name is Constable Blair. Mm, I don't have time for this. I don't even know why you're so cranky. I'm quite capable of talking to some darned witnesses. Stone rolls her eyes as Shepard walks away to the witnesses. Okay, Constable Blair, let's take a look at this body. Stone walks over and crouches by the body that is still pulling blood. Looks like the man was sleeping when he was assaulted, or at least getting ready to. All he has on is his pants. Maybe he was changing into his pajamas. Constable, check his pockets. Yes, ma'am. The constable checks the pockets while Stone looks at the man's hands. He has a business card. It says his name, Bruce Griggs, and the dentist office that he worked for. He was one of the top doctors. Interesting. We will have to visit that office in the morning. In the meantime... This man's hands were tied with rope, correct? Yes, ma'am. And his feet, too. He was tied down to the horse and the rope to his hands wrapped around the horse's neck like a harness. I suppose it was all in the name of theatrics. He was riding something before he died. I don't know if that's useful for the case, but you can tell because his pants and some of his right hand is covered in black ink, like it was spilled. So you're saying he was abducted in his house? Yes. That would be the most logical conclusion. But until we find the head, we won't know how he was abducted without anyone knowing. You think the murderer left the head? I'm hoping. It's not like he had much use for a head, and with all the commotion, I'm sure he wanted to get away quick. But then again, this was premeditated murder, and very calculated. Hopefully he thought that the head wouldn't give anything away. This is beginning to sound like one hard case. Agreed. Anyway, speaking of his head, I need to take a look at his neck. Stone directs her attention to where the victim's head was supposed to be. His head was taken completely off. At least he didn't suffer. Yes, that's true. We haven't found the knife that did this, though. Hopefully we can by dawn. I wouldn't suspect that you'd ever find the knife, Constable. Because there's no way that this was done with a knife. 
What? Then how in the world could this have been done? It wasn't like the murderer ripped his head off. If he did, we'd have other things to worry about than a misplaced murder weapon. But look at the wound, Constable. This cut is much too clean for a knife. To decapitate someone with a knife, you'd have to hack at their neck until you cut all the way through, even through the bone. You'd have extremely jagged flesh, and I doubt anyone would want to sit there, completely cutting off the head, strap the body to a horse, and parade it around town when the deed was done with the first hack. But you see the wound? Even though the edges are a bit jagged, it was a clean and parallel cut. The weapon that did this cut completely through the flesh and bone in one fell swoop. Then what in the world did this, ma'am? Well, if I were a lazy murderer that wanted to create a spectacle like some sleepy hollow copycat, then I'd use some kind of thin wire and some incredible force to cut through the neck. Shepard makes his way to the couple that looks terrified and is trying to be calmed down by another police officer. Ma'am, sir, please stop crying. We need to know what happened. I, I can't understand you. Ma'am, please, snot does not match your dress. Sorry, right, Joan. I'll take it from here. and Go find them some water. Yes, sir. Ma'am, sir, I'm Police Chief Carter Shepard, and I'm here to ask some questions. Can I have some names, please? <laughs> I'm... Mr. Wild Cone, and this is my wife, Helen Gray Cone. What a horror we saw! <laughs> a headless man plagued your streets, spewing blood everywhere. This was not a dream. Will the killer come back? Are we next? We're completely vexed! <laughs> Whoa, Helen Gray Cone? You mean you're the famous poet? The one who wrote A Chant of Love for England? Yeah. She is. Wait till Stone hears about this. I'm sure she will fancy meeting you two. But why are you two so freaked out about this? It's just a murder. One can never fathom death until she sees it. And this gal has seen a lot. Death and murder she has witnessed. But a headless man covering her in blood she has not. Why are you speaking in rhyme? She does that when she's woefully frightened. And so am I. To the core. Well, if you two can answer some questions after calming down, we can catch this crook and make London Street safe once again for your less scary poems. What exactly do you need to know, Chief Shepherd? I would like to know what time this occurred exactly, what you two were doing, if you saw or heard anything strange, if you knew the victim, and anything else that could help our investigation. Well, I, I think the horse came tearing through about 20 minutes ago. That seems about right. And... We were just taking a walk so that I could take in the night sky and my wife here could queer her head from writer's block. The cool, brisk air fills my lungs with joy and scrapes the cloud of sorrow from my brain, allowing me to be free from the shackles of fruitless and infertile thinking. Uh, fair enough. That would mean the attack happened around... Shepard takes out his pocket watch. 11.46. And my other questions? Besides the headless man strapped to the horse... I can't remember anything else that was strange. That's not exactly an everyday occurrence. Agreed. And what a trip this was. We came to England for a little vacation, and the night we arrived, we see a bloody murder? Yes, that wretched man ruined our vacation. Anyway, we do not know the victim, but the woman over there, the one who yelled to phone the police, kept blubbering on about the horse. I'd ask her about that. Shepard looks to where Mrs. Cone was looking and then hailed the woman over. Miss... A word, please. The woman comes over. Chief, please, you must get that horse back to Miss Redback. She'll be terribly distressed that her prized thoroughbred, Rivers, is missing. 
Please, you must help him. Of course. We'll get the horse to her right away. Who did you say the owner was? Miss Carly Redback. You know, the best horse breeder and trainer in London. She breeds and trains all the best racehorses to ever grace England. Okay, okay. Excuse me for not recognizing her name. But how do you know it's hers? Because that's the only thoroughbred in all of England that's pure white. Miss Redback loves him to death. That's why she didn't sell him. She's probably having a heart attack right now. At midnight. You never know. All right, ma'am. Calm down. We will bring him back pronto. I promise. Then why an incredible force? Where are you going to find that? What did the murderer use? Come on now. You don't have a brain for nothing. The incredible amount of force was the horse. Seeing as it's a thoroughbred, it was probably easy to attain the force needed to swiftly take off a head. But what about the wire? You said the head couldn't have been removed cleanly without a wire. I'm getting to that. The wire needed to be thin and long so that the force needed to pull through flesh and bone wouldn't have to be a lot because the wire isn't distributed over a lot of surface. The wire would have probably been about 0.6 or 0.7 millimeters. I don't recall seeing any wire that small in hardware stores. That is true, but you won't find this wire at a hardware store. The wire used to kill this fellow is piano wire. Piano wire? Yes, piano wire. It's strong, long, and thin enough to be able to cut right through someone's neck. But I think that's all I can ascertain from the body. Shouldn't we figure out who the thoroughbred belongs to? Yes, that would be a good course of action. I know it's owned by that horse breeder here in London, but I can't for the life of me remember the name. I'm going to go ask Shepard to see if he found out anything. Stone gets up when Shepard calls her over. Stone, over here! I think you might want to hear this. Coming. Stone walks over and Shepard looks smug. Well, Stone, I hope you got over your issue with me, because I'd like you to meet our witnesses. Mr. Lyle Cone and his wife... Mrs. Helen Gray Cone, a pleasure to meet you. Just a pleasure. I'm a huge fan of your work. A chant of love for England was quite nice, but I especially loved the fair grey lady. Brilliant! Oh, thank you, Miss... Stone. Samantha Stone, private investigator. Ah, uh, yes. They said that this spectacle happened around 11.46. 20 minutes ago before we arrived, which makes sense. I'm sure we got the call right after the horse came prancing about. The murder, on the other hand, had to happen at least 5 to 10 minutes before they saw the horse come out. It had to have plenty of time to run into the town streets before it calmed down. Right. Anyway, the poet couple were here on vacation and taking a walk tonight, so they didn't know the victim. Now, this lady here says that she recognized the horse. She said the breeder was... Yes, 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 a thoroughbred. The horse of the thoroughbred. And quite a rare one at that, seeing as he is all white. He's owned by some horse breeder here in London. Well, gosh, Stone, is there anything else you want to know? Actually, yes. What was the name of the horse breeder again? Yes, well, it was... Miss Redback, the best horse breeder and trainer in all of London. And the horse there is Rivers. Seriously? Good job with interrogating the witnesses. But I think it's time we follow the trail back to the head before it gets cold. We've got a couple more clues to get. And I don't suppose you know where the trail is, do you, Stone? Well, of course. Didn't you see the literal trail of blood? Come on, Shepard. We haven't got all night. (sighs) Why am I even here? Stone heads off down the trail of blood, filling Shepard in on what she found out about the body. Shepard follows closely. Well, you seem to glean a lot of information from the body. Yes, 
But to find out the rest, we must find the head. I need to know what took off his head for sure and how he was brought here. Well, look no further. I found the head. Shepard pulls the man's head from inside the bushes near a wall. Stone comes over. You did? Good eyes, Shepard. It's about time you start appreciating my work instead of interrupting me. Of course I appreciate you, Shepard. It's not like you do nothing. You are quite valuable to me. If you weren't here, I'd have to become a police detective and that's unnecessary work. We work well, and that's nothing to get all a bent out of shape for. But I think you have some explaining to do with that silly act you put on when you were leaving my house after we retold stories to Charlie. It was like you were going to kiss me, but instead you toyed with me. So, what I'm getting from this is that you wanted me to kiss you. Stone glares at him. Shut up. I don't know what game you're playing at, but I'm tired, literally. And unless you plan to put your cards out on the table, then I don't have to answer that two-faced question. Stone frowns and looks back to the head. Stone- He was drugged, probably by chloroform. Uh, How can you tell? The bits of cloth in his nostrils. Chloroform is an anesthetic. I haven't heard it being used for criminal activity, but it's quite widely used by doctors or dentists to put people under for easy operation. You put some on a rag or cloth- Place it over the person's mouth and nose, and then they inhale the chemicals and pass out. How do you know it's chloroform if you haven't seen it used for criminal activity? Because I've noticed the little pieces of cloth in my nose when I go to the dentist. I'd rather be put under when I get my mouth probed, so I've been able to study the aftereffects a lot. Chloroform seems like the most likely choice of anesthetic, especially since this man was a dentist. That's right. You did say that he had a business card with his occupation on it. That's right. I'm glad you remembered. Now we should look at the wall and wire. That's the last piece of evidence we can get tonight. Shepard goes over to the wall and looks at it while Stone still looks at the head to see if she missed anything. Well, the wall seems to be cracked and pulled forward a bit. That's to be expected. And there's a hook screwed into the wall with a wire attached to the hook. It's about 15 feet long. It was kind of hard to see in this light and since the wire was so thin. Stone comes over to look. Ah, piano wire. I knew it. Look at the noose at the end. Bloody. And the piano wire's probably that long to allow the horse to get some momentum before slicing off the man's head. So that's why the wall was cracked. The strength and momentum of the horse and the pull of the man's head against the wire caused the wall structure to start to fail before the neck gave up. And off came his head. Yes, that's how things played out. And he was smart to do this in such a dark and secluded place. The murderer sure did his research. So, we are going to have to question everyone tomorrow. The horse trainer, the dentist's office, and the victim's house. I think that's all the places we know of at the present. Hopefully those two public places can give us some more suspects, and his house some more evidence. Maybe we should check out the music shop as well, see if any piano wire has been bought recently. Yes, but let's resume this tomorrow. My head hurts. Probably because you didn't have your bloody hat to protect it. What? Nothing, just go home and sleep. I need it as well. Good night, Shepard. Stone walks away and catches a carriage home as Shepard takes the evidence and police officers back to the precinct with the police carriage. Do we really have to go to work on Saturday? Yes, unfortunately. We have a murderer on the loose who completely decapitated a man. Cool. Well, criminal, but cool. Uh, sure. I suppose the way he did it was kind of genius, but I'm not giving props to a murderer. Point is, this takes priority over staying home and reading bedtime stories. Don't forget playing around with me, taking walks and doing what I wanted because you promised. 
My apologies, Charlie. I promise I'll make it up to you. This murderer isn't going to stump me for long. I'll be back before you know it. I guess I can go play with some of the kids in the street. Or go talk with Bonnie. That's the spirit. Now I've got to go. Shepard is waiting outside. Stone leaves the apartment building where Shepard is waiting outside, with a police carriage and the thoroughbred attached to the side. They both get in. I'm hoping I didn't need to bring your translator today. What? Constable Blair. You're a jerk. I'm not the one who gave me the stone-cold shoulder yesterday, uh, this morning, just because I left my hat at your place. If that's all you got from my explanation this morning, then you're more clueless than I thought. But I'm not mad at you. Let's just get the murderer, okay? Come on. We should take the horse back to the horse trainer now, so she has to talk to us. Shepard nods and takes the carriage and the horse with them to the horse trainer. Soon they arrive at the horse trainer's ranch. The horse trainer comes out to greet them. (gasps) Rivers! Mother missed you! The horse trainer embraces the horse as Stone and Shepard step down from the carriage. Sorry we couldn't have gotten him to you last night. He needed a good washing and we wanted the chance to talk to you at a more normal time. We found him last night after he was used for a murder. A man was decapitated while strapped to your horse's back and he was paraded through town around midnight. The horse trainer looks horrified. Well, gee, Stone... You could have been more gentle with how you explained it. Uh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I haven't had much sleep. A dead man was on his back? You mean to tell me that someone stole my horse, strapped a man to him, and killed the man while he was on poor River's back? Unfortunately, yes. What kind of low-down, psychotic jerk would do such a thing? We aren't sure who did it yet, ma'am. But if you cooperate, we can figure this out. I'll cooperate fully! That maniac needs to be thrown under the jailed rot. He could have hurt my poor baby. And he killed a man. That too. What do you need to know? We would like to know who had access to your stables. Where were you around 11pm to midnight? If you know a Bruce Griggs, your name please, along with your occupation. And we would also like to have a look around your house as well. A look around my house? It would prove you aren't the killer. Maybe. Well, all right. I'll show you inside and I'll answer your questions in there. And my name is Carly Redback. I'm a horse breeder and trainer. The horse trainer shows the two into her house. Stone looks around her home, roaming off as Shepard listens to her answers. To answer your other questions, no one has access to my stables except for me. I keep them locked up at night with the lock and chain, but maybe I should get a better lock. When I woke up at six this morning to feed the horses, the chain was cut and River was gone. I phoned the police, but they said you were on the way, so I waited. From 11 to midnight, I was asleep in my bed like every other normal person in London, although I guess I can't prove that. I've heard of Mr. Griggs. He's an intern at the dentist, I think, but I've never had him as my doctor. I had a Dr. Taylor as my doctor, mostly because his intern was very kind. I hope he would become a doctor soon, but he was fired, I think. I heard that through the grapevine. Stone comes back into the room. You said that you were a horse breeder and trainer. That means you breed horses to sell for races and such. Why haven't you sold Rivers? I just couldn't bring myself to part with him when he was born. He was a weakly horse at first, being one of the rarest breeds of thoroughbreds. But now he's my strongest horse I've bred, and I love him to death. I just didn't want to sell him. That makes sense. And you found the chain cut this morning? That's right, at six. And who was this intern? Mr. Owen DeWitt. Thank you. I believe that's all we need, unless you have any questions, Shepard. Do you know why Mr. DeWitt was fired? Now, I didn't hear any of that through the grapevine. I think you'll have to ask the dentist's office that. 
Thank you for your time, ma'am. Stone and Shepard leave as the horse trainer comes back outside to put Rivers away in the stable. They get into the carriage and drive off. So where did you go snooping around in her house? I wasn't snooping. I told her I was going to have a look around. And for your information, I was looking around to see if she had a piano, which she didn't. Even if she did, I wouldn't have paid her as the murderer. She loved that horse too much to put it through something like that. Nor does she know the man who died. I don't think she is a murderer either, Shepard. But a good investigator always follows every lead. So where to now? The dentist's office. We should find out about this Dewitt guy and about the victim before we go anywhere else. Shepard nods and they both ride off to the dentist's office. It's oh so quiet It's oh so still You're all alone And so peaceful until You fall in love Zing boom The sky up above Zing boom It's caving in About a guy you wanna laugh, you wanna cry, you cross your heart and hope to die. Till it's over, and then it's nice and quiet. But soon again, starts another big riot. You blow a fuse. Cuts loose, sing, boom, so what's the use? Wham! Of falling in love. It's all so quiet. It's all so still. Fit this guy as George and I got hit. There's no mistake, cause this is it! Till it's over, and then it's nice and quiet. But soon again, starts another big riot. When it comes to food, there's only one thing that you can never get tired from. Pizza. 
Whether it's hot or cold, fresh out of the oven or reheated, vegified, or a meat supreme, pizza is the way to go. And here at Cheesy Zest, we do pizza right. We don't cut corners here from our fresh cheese, marinara sauce, and hand-tossed dough. We are the freshest and best place in town. Pizzas are made exactly for your liking in our special brick oven and right in front of your eyes so you know exactly what you're getting. Best, fresh, and for less, get your pizza from Cheesy Zest. Shepard and Stone arrive at the office and walk in. Good morning! Are you two walk-ins or do you have an appointment? Neither. We would like to speak with the dentist who interned Mr. Owen Dewitt and the one who interned Mr. Bruce Griggs. Well, both were interned by the same doctor, just in intervals. But Dr. Taylor is busy right now with patients. This is police business, ma'am. We need to speak with him now. The assistant notices his badge and then stands up. Uh, Oh, my apologies. I didn't realize you two were at... I'll go get Dr. Taylor. The assistant runs off to the back, and soon after, the dentist comes back. Be glad we have another dentist here right now. I was right in the middle of a man's cleaning. Yes, I'm sure that's important, but I'm quite positive the murder of your fellow doctor, Bruce Griggs, has priority, especially since you are a suspect. Mr. Griggs died? I I thought he was just skipping work. Murdered, Dr. Taylor. He was murdered. This morning around midnight, actually. We just have a few questions for you. If you would cooperate with us. This will be over much faster if you do. Uh, Of course, but I promise you, I didn't kill Mr. Griggs. I've got too much to worry about as it is without having that added stress about keeping such a a dark secret like that. Right, and if I had a shilling for every time a suspect said that to me... We would be beyond rich. You can't expect us to believe you without conducting the investigation first. Exactly. Who have you interned in the last six months? Only two, a Mr. Owen Dewitt and Mr. Bruce Griggs. Although I had to fire Mr. Dewitt two months ago, so Mr. Griggs got the job. And why did you fire him? Well, every time I had him lock up the office, I noticed some of the inventory went missing. When I confronted him about it, he tried to blame Mr. Griggs, but no one was at the office when he was. The people who lock up are the last to leave. I asked Mr. Griggs about it, but he told me that he had nothing to do with it. How was DeWitt blaming it on Griggs? He would tell me that Mr. Griggs offered to close up for him and he decided to go home. But Mr. DeWitt was always the one to sign out, never Mr. Griggs. One day, Mr. DeWitt's girlfriend came over to the office with a bundle of chloroform and needles and such and gave them to me saying she had found this in his bedroom. She said that she noticed Mr. DeWitt having some more cash flow recently and she believed this to be the cause of it. So for lying and stealing, I had to fire DeWitt. I just couldn't understand why he would do it. He always seemed like such a nice boy. Who is this girlfriend? If I remember correctly, her name was Dora Boones. That's all I remember about her, though. Although, when she came to me, she was crying. It almost seemed like she was trying to sell me her story. Maybe she was just concerned she'd be condemned as well. Can you tell us anything else about Griggs or Dewitt? Well, they seemed on relatively good terms as far as I could tell, so I had to fire Dewitt. Dewitt seemed very angry at Griggs for that. I remember the girl saying she was going to break up with him because of that, so I'm sure Dewitt wasn't too happy about that. Other than that, I couldn't tell you much more about them. Are you sure? Did you have any grievances with the two at all? Uh, no. Not, not at all. You better not be lying. That would be a stupid thing to do. Okay, fine. Look, to be honest, I couldn't picture Dewitt stealing from me. He was the perfect intern, so nice and sweet. 
It was Griggs that had a chip on his shoulder. I'd have reprimanded him a lot for little hiccups in business, but that's it, I I swear. Well, if you could tell us where the two interns lived, that would be great. I can do that. I'll write their addresses down for you, too. The dentist scribbles down the addresses on a scrap piece of paper. Here you go. If you need anything else, I'll be right here. Actually, did you have any recent inventory loss? Now that you mention it, yes, there has been. After I fired Duet, the inventory loss stopped. But about two days ago, I came up with a bottle of chloroform short. I thought I just counted wrong or the company I had bought it from miscounted. I'm sure it's nothing, but it did strike me as weird. Thank you, sir. That will be all. Good luck. The dentist goes back into the back room as his assistant walks towards them. Um, excuse me. I couldn't help but hear the conversation about the murder of Mr. Griggs, and I thought you two might want to know this. Certainly we do. What do you have for us? I'm sure it's nothing, but Griggs was a womanizer, or at least a guy who liked to manipulate the girls around the office. He tried it on me once, but I'm not stupid. I know better than to mess with men like that. But one time he went too far. We all went to an office party at the tavern a few weeks ago, and let's just say everyone had a few drinks. We didn't lose our minds, though. All I remember is Dr. Taylor's daughter came in at some point to take him home, and Griggs made a pass at her. A rather inappropriate pass. I could say that he was just drunk, but I'm sure he knew what he was doing. Dr. Taylor's daughter is young and quite beautiful, but that tipped Dr. Taylor right over the edge. I didn't even know that some of those swear words existed, and the way they were coming out of his mouth, you would have thought he was a sailor. The most vivid accusation I remember is that he screamed, If you ever touch my daughter again, I'll have your head and mount it like a trophy. Maybe Dr. Taylor was just drunker than I thought, but I thought you two would like to know. Thank you very much. This was very helpful. Yes, good day, ma'am. Good day. Shepard and Stone leave the building and drive off towards Mr. Griggs' home. So, what do you think of the doctor? Well, I didn't think he really had any motive to kill Griggs, but now I do. And he is a dentist with access to all the chloroform, and he knows where Griggs lives, so we can't cross him off the list, not yet at least. That makes sense. Now hearing what the assistant had to say, it did seem like he was lying to us. That's right. And before we go making any hasty decisions... We should check out Griggs' abode. Can I ask you another question? There's no one stopping you. Why are you so pent up over me leaving my hat with you? Again with this? I thought we were past this. Not really. All that happened was me getting the cold shoulder, then getting chewed out, and then having it pushed aside completely like the whole argument didn't happen. Because it didn't happen. End of story. No, not the end. Just tell me why you were so hostile. I'm curious. First... Tell me why you were at my apartment. You never did answer that question. Because I just wanted an excuse to come and see you, Stone. Are you happy now? We hadn't seen each other in about a week or so since the Christmas ball, and I just wanted to stop in and say Merry Christmas. At least properly. But you never said Merry Christmas then. We got caught up in nostalgia. And why would you need an excuse to stop in and say Merry Christmas? Well, for one... Miss Lawlin is crazy, so I need a game plan when I come to your apartment. And also, you're pragmatic. You probably wouldn't have let me in unless I had a case. That's not true. I mean, yes, I'm pragmatic, but I'd let you over any time. You can come over any time, Shepard. I like you a lot, Shepard. And so does Charlie. Besides, it's not like you're some random stranger. But 
when you pop by my apartment to solve some easy case you already solved, and then promptly leave after toying with my emotions like you were going to kiss me, is where I draw the line. Shepard ponders this as the two sit in silence. You like me a lot, Stone. Is that what you said? And what do you mean about me toying with your emotions? What emotions? <laughs> oh, look! We've arrived! Shepard and Stone arrive at Griggs' house. A young woman is standing outside of the door, pounding on it fervently. They get out of the carriage and greet her. You wretched man! I know you're there! Don't make me unlock this door! She holds up a key. Excuse me, miss. Who are you? Uh, Dora Boones. And who are you? She pockets the key. I'm Police Chief Carter Shepard, and this is Private Investigator Samantha Stone. Why are you here? I was just coming to talk to my boyfriend. Bruce, why are you here? The police? Because Bruce Griggs died last night. What? He was murdered. Didn't you hear? No. When? How? Yesterday, around midnight, he was decapitated upon a horse. But we're glad we bumped into you. We needed to ask you some questions. Yes. We would like to know where you were at 11 to midnight and how you know Bruce Griggs. I was sleeping at that time. My apartment's about 30 minutes by carriage from here. And I know him because he's my boyfriend. Stone and Shepard look at each other. How long have you two been together? Today marked a year. He was going to take me out today. That's why I'm here. So, you two have been dating for a year. Can I ask if you know a Mr. Owen Dewitt? I think he was the intern Bruce beat at the job. Other than that, I don't know him. And you are sure you don't know him at all? Are you calling me a liar? Look, I didn't know him, okay? Okay. Okay. Do you play the piano? Actually, I do. How did you know? Oh, it was just a question. And do you happen to know Miss Redback, the horse trainer? No, but I've seen her in the papers. Right. You should go to the police station. Griggs is there, and I'm sure you will need to answer some more questions. Just get in the carriage. Uh, fine. The girlfriend begrudgingly gets into the police carriage. Shepard locks it. Okay, Stone. Stand back. Shepard busts down the door by kicking it in, and Stone walks through. Mmm, so strong. My hero. I'm choosing to look past the sarcasm and take that as a compliment. Well, we could have just used her keys, big guy. Oh, uh, right. Stone and Shepard walk in and look around the apartment. Hey, look! I was right! He was writing something before he was taken. There's a bunch of ink spilled all over the table and floor. He was in the middle of writing to his girlfriend. Listen to this. Dear Dora, you'll be pleased to know that still no one is the wiser of our little ruse. I can't wait to see you for our anniversary dinner. Now that we've come into a little more cash, I'll take you somewhere nigh. That's it? Yes. I'm supposing that this is when he was abducted from his home. Have you found anything over there, Shepard? Hmm. Well, I don't think... Wait. Look at this. I found a wall of cash in his mattress, as well as an empty box marked chloroform. That is quite strange. The two look around some more, then out of the corner of their eye they spot something. Stone, look! It's bolt cutters. Right! I saw! That means whoever kidnapped Griggs left the bolt cutters here in his house after grabbing the horse. I wonder how he got in. I mean, the door was still locked when he got here. That means that he didn't leave through the door. Well... I think that open window over there is the culprit. The murderer must have found it open, if Griggs left it open, and entered and left that way. Stone walks over to a partly open window and closes it. Things are getting more convoluted by the second. Who do you think is the murderer? 
So far, it could be either Dr. Taylor, Mr. DeWitt, or Miss Boone's. Any one of them could have done it. But we'd better find this Washington Irving wannabe quick. Washington Irving wannabe? Sorry. Irving is an author who wrote a short story called The Legend of Sleepy Hollow in 1820, where the main antagonist was a headless horseman. Ah, so if you called the murderer Washington Irving because, in a way, the author removed the antagonist's head. Correct. It's an American short story, but still quite entertaining. Well, maybe I'll read it sometime. Maybe. But we'd better get over to Dewitt's place and ask him some questions. Agreed. But first, we have to take that girl to the station. Shepard nods and they both leave the apartment and ride off. Hey everyone, it's the folks from Fastener Boys. <laughs> and we've got a fantastic poppin' collection of new Velcro shoes. Using our patented Fastener Boys. <laughs> Velcro technology. Your kiddos can now go back to school in our new Technicolor line of Velcro shoes in primary colors. Choose from fashionable hues of yellows, reds, and blues. Want to sport your school's colors? My school colors are dirt. Buy one colored shoe and get a different color half off. Don't show up to school downtrodden. Get poppin' with new Technicolor Velcro shoes from Fastener Boys. <laughs> It 
touches my foolish heart Lovely, don't you ever change Keep that breathless charm Won't you please arrange it Cause I love you Just the way you look tonight As the summer heat dies down, welcome in that cool autumn breeze. Sophie Soap Suds is here to help you get your house clean in order for your fall guests. Want to host a dinner party, but that stain just won't come out of your rug? Well, no stain is too tough for Sophie Soap Suds. Our new suds formula even attacks that hard-to-wash dirt out of the messiest of pets and even your children. So when you're welcoming your guests, tell them that you keep things clean with Sophie's Soap Suds. Remember, when all other soaps are duds, try Sophie's Soap Suds. Stone and Shepard arrive at Dewitt's house after dropping the girlfriend off at the police station. Well, this is our last stop on the suspects list. Hopefully we solve this case at the end of it. We will. We always do. Hmm. Stone and Shepard go up to the apartment and knock on the door. A man answers it. Yes, can I help you? Are you a Mr. Owen Dewitt? That would be correct. Why? Because we have a few questions about a recent murder. A murder? What's this about a murder? A man died this morning, and we have just a few questions to ask you about it. If you would be so kind as to cooperate. Uh, Sure thing, officers. Uh, You are officers, right? Yes and no. I'm Police Chief Carter Shepard, and this is Private Investigator Samantha Stone. You see, we are much more than just officers. Right you are. Would you like to come inside, or do you just want to interrogate me outside? Inside would be just fine. Fair enough. You're in luck. I had just made a pot of tea. Dewitt shows them inside. Stone and Shepard sit down while Dewitt brings out the tea. Would either of you two like some tea? I'm alright, thank you. Two sugars. No milk, thank you. Dewitt nods and makes himself and Stone a cup of tea. Now, those questions? How can I help you? First off, we would like to know where you were at 11 to midnight last night. Oh, that's simple. I was in my apartment sleeping. Not well, I presume. Oh, sorry. Yes, I am a... Bit of a restless soul, and tea always makes me a bit drowsy. Excuse my yawn. Hmm. Are you currently employed? No, unfortunately. I'm still looking for a job. I lost my internship at the dentist's office about two months ago because I was lied on by a colleague of mine. They claimed I was stealing goods from the office, but that was a lie. Now I'm pegged as a liar and a thief, so work isn't exactly knocking down my door. That would make sense. Who was the colleague that lied on you? A man named Bruce Griggs. I don't know if you know him, though. He hasn't been a doctor for very long. Oh, we know him more than you think. That's the man who died this morning. He was decapitated. You don't say? Well, it's terrible when a human dies, but excuse me if I'm not terribly shook up about it. That man made my life a living nightmare. How so? Well, he caused me to lose my job and become the talk of the town, and not in the good way. Sure, I wasn't arrested, they didn't have enough proof, and rightly so, but it still threw dirt on my name. 
And that's all he did? Yes, but I think you are putting that rather lightly. Besides, he also stole my girlfriend, Dora Boone's. After the stealing of the goods incident, she leaves me hanging dry and I see her walking around with Griggs. Well, that's interesting. Yes, indeed. What's interesting? Oh, nothing. But now we know you have a motive. Motive? Oh! Wait, I'm a suspect? Until proven innocent, yes. And you have to interrogate a person until they prove themselves to be innocent? Are you checking out Dr. Taylor? Why would we need to do that? Because he wasn't exactly on good terms with Griggs. The only reason he's a dentist is because he framed me. Dr. Taylor was always busting his chops on his work ethic and morals. Plus, you could tell he was making the moves on every girl in the office. Dr. Taylor wasn't too pleased about that. Too bad Miss Boones doesn't know. Oh, wait. No, it's, it's not too bad. She left me for that scum. Well, we'll be sure to check in on that. Do you play the piano? No, but Miss Boones does. She has a grand piano at her home. I got to see it when she brought me over for dinner. She plays it beautifully, and it was fun seeing how it worked. I never figured out how those tiny wires could make such a wonderful sound. Fascinating. One last question. Do you know Miss Redback, the horse trainer? Can't say I do. Horse trainer, you say? I didn't know we had such a thing here in London. Right. Well, thank you for the team, Mr. DeWitt. Be sure to phone a fellow when you've caught the killer. The streets are feeling a little bit unsafe now, and I would like to sleep with both eyes closed. Certainly. Goodbye. Phone and Shepard leave the apartment. So, who's the killer? I have an idea, but I'm not quite sure yet. Not quite sure? What do you mean, not quite sure? This was the end of the road. Usually you have solved it by now. Well, I don't see you chiming in with the solution, mister, so shut it. And besides, we still have one place left to go. And where would that be? The music shop. If I'm right, the killer bought some piano wire there. And if the shopkeeper tells me the gender of the killer, I'll have solved the case. That's it? That's the only thing you need to know? The gender? Yes. But since this was premeditated murder, why would the killer have bought things yesterday? Why wouldn't he? You don't need to buy piano wire a week in advance for a murder plan this morning. It's the murder that's premeditated, not the shopping list. Once the plan is thought up, then you buy the items and promptly kill the victim. Well, hopefully we didn't have an early buyer. Phone the shipper right off to the music shop. They arrive and get out of the carriage to go inside. Hello there. Good day, my friends. How can I help you? Yes, we would like to know if anyone came in here yesterday to buy piano wire. But only one of them, not a whole set. And if anything was weird about this person? Well, actually, a person did come in here only looking to buy one piano wire. That was weird by itself, but I guess there was one other thing that was strange. That being? He also had a pair of chain cutters. Don't know why, though. Shepard! Shepard! I just solved the case! Thank you, sir! Come on, Shepard, let's go nab the killer! Here we end the ninth episode of Stone Cold Mysteries with a challenge. Find the killer. Were you paying attention? You now have all the tools to solve the murder. Message us on Facebook at Cougar Radio 88.5 or tweet us at Cougar Radio WCUG with the killer, the motive, and the weapon. Tune in next time to hear the solution and to listen to another Stone Cold Mystery.